0: Devi, Devi, Devi Hari, Devi, Sri Devi, Durga, Devi, Kali, Devi. Dear friends, welcome to the episode 9. We have been journeying together for quite some time now and it is my great, great joy and privilege to share with you one more account of journey to Gyan Shambala. It is very special that we share this journey exactly through the episode 9, which is the number of completion, the favorite number of Sai Baba, <laughs> and also on the very special day when the light is most powerful on our planet, the 21st of June 2020, which is the International Day of Yoga as well. So let us explore the depth of yoga and what true yogis stand for and how they live. The yogis that are hundreds and hundreds of years old and have been transmitting the ancient knowledge of yoga to us through shruti, through uh, verbal tradition as well as through telepathy and many other ways and their powers and their knowledge know no bounds. Let us expand our horizons together and expand our hearts. Welcome to the episode 9. We start this episode uh, by acknowledging a great Siddha, great soul known as Paramahamsa Paramahamsadeva. His life and philosophy is the book written by Nand Lal Gupta from which I will be quoting today. Uh, first, I would like to share how I came to know about this book. It's a very special story. Uh, so this is a, an example of the law of attraction right here <laughs> for you. Um, I was diving deep into the vibration of Gyan Ganj in order to share this uh, beauty with you. and. Um, I suddenly remembered a dear friend of mine, Dinesh, who joined us for the last Kailash Yatra with Mohanji that we experienced last year. So um, I remember Dinesh uh, mentioning to me a book by a great Swami who used to live in Varanasi Okashi, which I visited uh, in December last year. So um, I suddenly remembered that and I tried to dig out uh, the message of his and uh, I contacted him, and I came to know about the, this book. Uh, now, during the COVID time, I was thinking, how will I now get this book? And then he, uh, and then he shared that um, he has gifted this book to Mohanji. So I went straight to Mohanji and asked, do you happen to have this book here? And he said, yeah, it's right there on the shelf, which I haven't noticed right So I was overwhelmed and (laughs) with great joy and gratitude I started reading this book. And I must say I was overwhelmed to find out that the same Bhriguram Paramahamsa, whom I mentioned in the last episode, uh, whom Monji had the blessing of meeting in flesh, in person, in Shirdi, the same Bhriguram Paramahamsa is the... Paramahamsa, a great soul, um, in charge of the yoga at the yoga ashram of Ganj in Tibet. So um, this for me was a really great uh, moment <laughs> uh, because I honor and love yoga beyond words. And uh, through the Himalayan School of Traditional Yoga, our aim is to spread the actual deep, uh, profound knowledge of the science of yoga, ancient science of yoga, in its true form as much as we can through our bodies and minds and intellect and hopefully through transcended ego. (laughs) So um, I was greatly honored to actually get the chance to read more about the life of this great Paramahamsas whom I only heard about. And in this book, uh, there is a detailed explanation of Gyan Ganj as per the direct experience of Vishuddhanand Paramahamsa, uh, who left his body in 1937 in um, Varanasi. And uh, in the words of Paul Brunton, British journalist, uh, who mentioned this great saint in his book, Search in Secret India, he described uh, Vishudananda Paramahamsa in the following way. One of the most impressive amongst yogis of this 20th century is Yogi Raj Sri Vishudananda Paramahamsa, who lived from 1853 till 1937. The Yogi Rajas seemingly unscientific and illogical miracles are in fact genuine yogic siddhis, spiritual powers. It was in fact... At first, very difficult for my mind, trained in logic and the physical science and believing implicitly only in the rational order of the universe, to accept the reality of such apparently irrational phenomena. Yet, inwardly, I felt, from the elevating splendor of his presence, that the Yogi raj was by no means an imposter and that I had witnessed genuine miracles. Along with miraculous powers went deep love, compassion, and the God-knowledge that opens the door to a new elevated vision of life. He had the wonderful powers of the Holy Spirit, the power of purity, which liberates the soul, gives man control over the whole of nature, and shows God into him. Now, this amazing Paramahamsa, who spent years at Gyanganj and was trained personally by Briguram Paramahamsa Uh, has lived a life uh, that was truly amazing and it was really touching for me to read about his life and his teachings and everything that he stood for and it was also an eye-opener which I would like to Share, especially with people from Christian tradition who believe that only Jesus Christ could walk on water or raise people from dead, or turn um, water into wine or multiply the fish or so forth. These miracles do not belong only to Jesus Christ. There are other great souls who have been able to do this for centuries. It's just that they were not known to the world. And within the vibration of Gyanganj, this is pretty much a normal uh, <laughs> a life a reality that they share. Uh, all those spiritual powers they have attained are quite normal for them. So I would just um, describe some of these spiritual powers that Vishuddhananda Paramahamsa displayed during his life in Varanasi. On the back cover of the book, it is said, the book describes a few of uh, Vishuddha num- numberless miracles relating to subjects like travel through space, bringing back the dead to life, converting one form of matter into another, producing scents, sweets, and fruits uh, from thin air, seeing things from distant, multiplying small amounts of food, ETC into large quantities, then appearing simultaneously in several distant places at the same time, healing the sick and deformed, telepathy, clairvoyance, precognition, power to read minds, to see through walls and go across them without hindrance, to foretell future events and even to mentally cause or change the motion of physical objects. These miracles go to prove his supernatural powers by which he infused confidence in divinity for the upliftment of society and elevated its sufferings. Now it is explained in this book uh, that spiritual powers are not to be displayed um, to people indiscriminately and uh, Vishuddha Nandaji explains exactly why and how many times he refrained from displaying his powers. He carefully chose when he would display them and who was eligible uh, to see them. And this is a standard rule uh, because sometimes they can have uh, an effect which doesn't support the spiritual evolution of the person witnessing the miracle, right? so. Masters uh, take it upon themselves to make this decision when the so called miracles will be displayed or not. For the purpose of this podcast, I will share only some important details from uh, the life and childhood of uh, Vishuddhananda Paramahamsa. Uh, but of course, I encourage you to read the entire book um, if possible. Um, the childhood uh, name of Vishudananda was Bolanat. And when he was only a couple of years old, uh, he uh, first met one of the great Paramahamsas from Gyangganj. Um This was the night of uh, new moon. And in the middle of the night, around 3 a.m., the boy felt to pull to go and meet this saint, uh, Renunciate Sannyasi, whom he noticed uh, that evening. He waited for his mother to fall asleep and he carefully came out and walked for two miles in the middle of the night to the cremation ground to meet the saint. So the saint was greatly impressed to see the boy, but he still first tried to chase him away to scare him, but it didn't work. And then he showered him with blessings. And uh, he said that right now you still don't know your true self, but you will come to know this one day, and I bless you. So that was the first encounter of his uh, at the very early childhood with the masters of Ganganj. And at the age of 13, uh, he was bitten by a mad dog. And the poison spread through the body quite fast. And the more the poison spread, the more painful his uh, experience in bodily experience became. And his uh, mother and uncle um, and his father died early, but his other members of his family tried to help him and took him to Ayurvedic doctor, allopathic doctor. They tried everything they could, but nothing could stop the spreading of poison and the increase in pain. And at one moment, the boy decided to walk to River Ganges and uh, end his life. So he was only 13 years old when this happened. And uh, after losing all hope, hope uh, before he won- he was about to drown himself, uh, he met another sannyasi, who again was a great master from Gyan Ganj. This time it was uh, Swami Nimanand. Nimanand Paramahamsa, and he came to him, gave him Shaktipad, placed his palm on top of his head and removed all the poison from his body in that instant. After this life-saving experience, uh, the small Bolanath decided to dedicate his uh, life to higher spiritual pursuits. And he asked his mother for the blessing to leave the home and travel with this sannyasi that was his only wish and surprisingly his mother agreed because she was just happy to have him alive such is the love of the mother but also the mother had an astral experience a very vivid dream which was a, in fact an astral experience where she met one of the Gyangarja monsters so that also helped her uh, decision to allow her son to leave So Bholanath, the young Vishuddhananda, and his friend Haripada, both uh, 13 or 14 years old, decided to uh, start following the sannyasi. And uh, he emphatically warned them that the journey is not going to be easy. It will be full of uh, difficulties uh, on the way. And uh, he said that... uh, Only if you accept that it will not be an easy journey, I will agree to take you along. So they accepted and then he tied cloth bandages on the eyes of each one of them so that they could not see anything and they started um, uh, following him. Uh, He led them over forested hills and plains by the air route. So uh, this is the yogic power of bending time and space. So they traveled through air and they, uh, in one night they passed um, a long distance of thousand kilometers from West Bengal and Bihar all the way to Uttar Pradesh. And then uh, this uh, uh, Paramahamsa left them in one ashram for uh, two weeks or so which was a testing period because there were wild animals roaming around there was no guarantee of them getting food even though somebody would appear every day to give them food Uh, still one day after the other the boys became afraid because they had to sleep on the tree and tie themselves to a branch to make sure they don't fall down from the tree once they fall asleep and become a food for a tiger or some other wild animal roaming around and creating a lot of sound. So it was naturally very scary for the children, uh, and, uh, but they have been warned. <laughs> it was a test for them, to, a test of their determination and their ability to cope with fear. Uh, we know that fear of death is our strongest fear. At some point they became overwhelmed with fear and started crying. And in that moment a ball of light appeared and it was the Divine Mother. And she uh, said that her name is Siddha Bhairavi Uma. And she came from all the way from Gyan Ganj in the shape of this ball of light. And she came to comfort them. Uh, she said, why did you cry so much? Seeing you both cry so pathetically, I could not keep my calm and have instantly flown over to you all the way from Gyan Ganji Yogashram in Tibet. And After going over their whole body with a caressing hand in motherly affection, she said, The revered sanyasi who had brought you here will himself come herein five or six days later and take you along. Till then you stay here happily. Henceforth, do not be afraid anymore. Treat me as your mother. Whenever you shall desire and beckon me, I shall reach you. Now I am going. And so, saying, she instantly disappeared. So after this boost they received, they patiently awaited the sannyasi to come back and get them. So again, the same pattern was repeated there. Uh, eyes were covered with bandages and they traveled through air. Uh, so they took the fast route <laughs> to Ganganj, unlike our previous uh, experience with um, Avadutanadananda, who had to really walk a lot. The children were blessed to take the shortcut um, and uh, travel through air. On reaching the destination, the bandages were taken off their eyes. They found that it was morning and they had reached a charming celestial place on a plain surrounded on all sides by snow-covered high hill ranges, calm, majestic and peaceful. On inquiry, they were told by Swami Nimanand, this is the normally inaccessible and secret Yogashram Situated in the midst of the mid Asian highlands of Tibet, known by the name of Gyan Ganj Yogashram. After a stay of nine to ten days at the ashram, Bolanath and Haripada were both presented by Swami Nimananda before His Reverend Highness Sri Mahatapa, which is Mahatar Babaji, for initiation. Sri Mahatapa first transmitted spiritual energy into each one of them by placing his hand on their heads and thereafter gave bij Mantra to each one of them. Both of them thus uh, became Gurubais of Swami Nimanand, who was an earlier disciple of Mahatapa Maharaj. So this is how they started their stay and educational training at Ganganj. Uh, it said that Bolanath and Haripada's educational training commenced from the day of their initiation. The instructors first made an accurate assessment of the mental caliber of the initiated brahmacharis by means of their intuitive penetrating powers and then admitted them to the discipline of yoga and natural sciences. Normally, one is first trained in the discipline of yoga, where he has to undergo very strict rules and regulations for disciplining the mind and body. Only after attaining proficiency in yoga and passing the prescribed tests, one is admitted next to the faculty of natural sciences. Those with sharper intellect naturally assimilate the instructions faster. And are able to make speedier progress. Bolanath's intellect was found to be exceptionally sharp, and as an exception, he was permitted to take up both the courses uh, Yoga and Natural Sciences simultaneously. His yoga training was entrusted to Sri Briguram Paramahamsa and that of natural science to Sri Shyamanand Paramahamsa both experts in these respective disciplines. Bolanath spared no pains, and by applying himself heart and soul with undivided attention and full vigor, he showed excellent progress in achieving proficiency in the two courses, in both the theoretical and the practical or experimental sides. One has to attain proficiency in all the eight branches of yoga before he can aspire to be perfect yogi. These eight branches, also known as limbs of yoga, consist, consist of yama, vows and of the rules of social behavior, niyama, observance of vows of the code of personal conduct, asana, postures, pranayama, breathing techniques, pratyahara, withdrawal from the senses, dharana, concentration, dhyana, meditation, and Samadhi, absorption in the inner state of bliss. Out of these, Yama, Niyama, Asana and Pranayama are the preliminary stages for purification of the body and mind. The yoga proper starts from pratyahara, abstraction of the mind and the senses. So as the yogi proceeds in the practice of Dhyana, Uh, transcending body consciousness developing a mind filled with purity and dispassion and tenacity of purpose so that the mind can be held steadily without a break on the object of meditation and then the final stage samadhi is reached as the yogi proceeds in the practice of dhyana and gets established in samadhi um, he reaches the stage of transcendental superconsciousness. It is a stage of deep, intense absorption in which the yogi acquires the ability to hold the mind perfectly still, collected and calm, continuously for 30 minutes or more. But samadhi is not liberation or realization or mukti. It is only after you go on persisting in this practice of samadhi that you finally attain liberation or mukti. Samadhi does take you to the highest stage of superconsciousness and transcendental illumination where you can get liberation. Here you rise higher and even the consciousness of your being lapses into the experience of cosmic consciousness which is the real samadhi, the stage of perfection of spiritual realization. From the above, it will be evident that the path of yoga is neither smooth nor easy. It is full of obstacles at every stage and unattainable by most aspirants. Desire and class consciousness are the two main impediments which cause the downward fall of a yogi the aspirant must be most careful to keep away from them. So desires and ego. Bolanat embarked on his regular training in yoga in Yanga Yogashram under the expert guidance of Sri Briguram Paramahamsa. His sharp intellect and rigorous application enabled him to attain complete mastery over all the aforesaid eight stages of yoga in a period much shorter than other aspirants who, in spite of having started earlier, had not yet attained the same proficiency. Shri Briguram Paramahamsa was greatly impressed by Bolanat's intensity and purpose and dedication. In appreciation thereof, he gave away the Harihara Linga, the Shiva Lingam which was in use in the Ganganjashram for testing the progress of the trainees he gave this uh, shivalingam to bolanath as a prize a bit more about harihara banalinga this was a shivalinga in ganganjagasham which was exceptionally powerful it was used for testing the progress of trainees in yogic tratak ordinary aspirants of yoga could not fix their gaze at it steadily for any length of time only brahmacharis and yogis fully established in yoga technique were able to fix their gaze upon it for a while its color would change after every three hours interval and its hue would thus change eight times during the 24 hours of day and night many people have witnessed the twofold forms of the lord Hari Vishnu and Hara Shiva in it and hence this Shivalinga had been named as Hari Hara Banalinga. This Banalinga was greatly instrumental in Bolanath's meteoric rise in the practice of yoga. The residents of the ashram took strong exception to the presentation of this Banalinga by Shri Briguram Brigurampurahamsa to Bolanath. They claimed that not only was it the property of the ashram, but it was in constant use here as an instrument for testing the progress, i.e. the stage of attainment of yoga aspirants. Hence, it could not be handed over to some individual. Briguram Swami explained to them that no doubt he had unilaterally taken the decision to present this banalinga to Bolanath because... He deserved it fully by virtue of his excellent performance and showing in yoga practice. It was also quite true that this banalinga would no longer be available at Ganganj, but it will soon be installed at a very auspicious place in Bengal, India. And any one of you, said Briguramji, could go there and offer prayers and concentrate on it, as distance does not present any hindrance or obstacle and is therefore of no consequence to a true yogi from Yanganj. Besides, its installation in Bengal would be of immense public benefit. Feeling that the Ashramites were still not convinced and happy, Swami Briguramji presented himself before Sri Mahatapa Maharaj at Manohar Tirta and explained the whole case to him. Mahatapa Maharaja proved the action of Sri Briguramji and blessed Bolanat. This ended the controversy once for all. Bolanat emplaced this banalinga in his forehead. He would bring it out, do its puja and replace it thereafter in his forehead. This banalinga could stand the gaze of Bolanat during his meditation. Ordinary lingas could not normally stand his gaze and would get shattered to pieces. Many disciples have personally witnessed this phenomenon happen before their very eyes. After some time, Biguram Swami directed Bolanath to install this banalinga in the village of his birth, Bondul, in a temple and have an ashram built alongside Birgulamji insisted that Bondul was the only location where this Hariharalingam could be installed. He even indicated the spot for its installation, saying that on digging at the I mentioned spot, a trishul or trident would be found about two meters below the ground. Thereupon, Bolanat seriously got down to the installation of the Hariharalingam and Bondul on digging at the indicated spot, a trident was found as predicted. The Harihara Balalinga was installed during auspicious muhurta moment under the name of Bonduleshwara. In due course, the temple premises and the ashram were also constructed, um, and the cost was borne by the Raja of Assam. There are very few places in the world as conducive as this Banalinga for the purposes of Yoga Sadhana and Mantra Siddhi. The festivals of Shivaratri, Durga Puja, Janmashtami and Baba's birthday are celebrated at Bondulashram with great serenity and eclat every year. Devotees and disciples from far and near collect here and add to the grace, pleasure and gaiety of the occasion. In this way, under the instructions of Swami Briguram Paramahamsa, Bolanath developed into a perfect yogi. Side by side, he spared no pains to learn natural sciences, also under the tutelage of Swami Shyamanand Paramahamsa, an expert in the sphere of natural sciences. He learned, vayu vijñan (science of air and gases), nakshatra vijñan (astrology), chandra vijñan (lunar sciences), swara vijñan (science of sound vibrations), kshana vijñan (science of instant of time), and surya vijñan (or solar science), highest of all. Like in yoga, Bolanath attained great proficiency and mastery in all the above sciences. Surya Vijnana solar science is the most advanced amongst the natural sciences, and we can look into it in more detail. In the chapter fourteen, Vishudanandaji describes Gyanganji Yogasram in Tibet. I had goosebumps all over my body when I first read his description and explanation of the name Gyan Ganj. I will first read this and then interpret. Gyan is a Sanskrit word and Ganj appears to be a Persian word. How come that the words of these two different languages have been joined up to form the word Gyan Ganj? In actual fact, Ganj is a word, the root of which is Sanskrit, and it traveled from Bharat or India to Persia. The word Ganj means treasury of jewels, so Gyan Ganj literally means treasury of knowledge of all kinds. Keeping this in mind, Swami Gyanananda Paramahamsa named it as Gyan Ganj Yoga ashram. If you recall from my episode one I met the great Mahatapa, Mahatar Babaji, in the desert and he was seated on a chair embedded with precious stones or jewels. For quite some time I was contemplating on why he had to have jewels in there and what was the meaning of that and only now. Do I close this circle and I get this explanation? I was so deeply touched. And uh, I understood that Gyan Ganj truly is the treasury of jewels of the highest of knowledge and highest of purity. And each one of those great souls who live in Gyan Ganj are representing these multicolored jewels. Let us find out more about Gyanganj Yoga in Tibet. The Gyanganj Yoga with a perimeter of about 16 kilometers is situated in the western region of Tibet and upland in the Himalayas in the north of India. The ancient name of this Yoga was Indrabhavan. It lost its entity in the Middle Ages due to mismanagement. This ancient ashram was renovated and restored to its pristine glory once again by Swami Gyananand Paramahansa, a disciple of Maharishi Mahatapa. Under his able administration and responsible management, it started functioning properly once again under the new name of Gyan Ganj. All this renovation took place about 700 years earlier, say about 1,225 A.D. This book was written more than 100 years ago, so we can say that it's been 800 years earlier. Ganganji is, is an extraordinary spiritual training center. The Brahmacharis, Brahmacharinis, Yogis and Paramahamsas of this center, after getting established in the state of Aham Brahmasmi, roam about in the universe as, when and where they like. Yogiraj Sri Vishudanand had eulogized about the eminence of Gyan Jugasram many a time amongst his disciples. He had also described in brief at times about the supernatural experiences and powers of the yogis of this ashram. It seems only appropriate to give here a brief description of some of the yogis intimately connected with this ashram. Maharishi Mahatapa He is the head of this organization. According to Swami Vishuddhananda, he is over. 1,400 years old. Over but not known how old. It's definitely more than 1,400. His body is beyond material requirements of food, water and air and has become sublime and divine. He has transcended the limitations of time and space. He can travel unfettered to any lock, any world, as per his wish. He does not stay in the Gyanganj Ashram itself all the time, but generally in a cave amongst the hills of Tibet. An idol of Rajarajeshwari Devi is installed in that cave, and the cave is therefore known by the name of Rajarajeshwari Mat. There are no Hutments in the neighborhood and the yogis who stay in the mat or monastery have all transcended the necessity for doors or houses. In that part of the Himalayas there are many monasteries similar to Gyanga and Jyogashram. All these are under the administrative jurisdiction of Rajara Devi. Maharishi Mahatapa does not permanently stay in any particular monastery. He occasionally visits the Ghyanga and Yogashram and sometimes he goes to Manohar Tirta to pay homage to his Gurumata Kshepamai. He is all the time in a sort of a trance and is not used to talking much. Amongst his disciples who stay at the Ghyanga Yogashram there are many over hundreds of years of age. The main ones are Paramahansa Swami Briguram, Nimanand, Shamananda Swami Briguram Paramahamsa. He is over 500 years old. In our time it will be over 600 years old and is the foremost disciple of Maharishi Mahatapa in the line of yoga. He is the head of the faculty of yoga in the ashram. Swami Vishuddhanand got his yoga training directly from him. He is the chief administrator of all the monasteries under the jurisdiction of Rajeshwari Devi. He is wholly and solely responsible for their upkeep, maintenance of law and order, inspection, conducting of examinations, and supervision. The heartfelt prayer waves from the distressed souls are caught by his ears immediately, and he has the capability of instantly appearing before them in human form. How he appeared before Swami Vishuddhananda's mother in response to her earnest prayer has already been described in the earlier part of this book. This clearly demonstrates the fact that Swami Paramahamsa had unobstructed access to the innermost recesses of the mind of the disciples. His mode of travel is flying through space. His feet would not touch the ground. He is the only one yogi on the face of this earth who can go up to Surya Lok. His body is no longer composed of the five elements nor of the six koshas like Anamaya Kosha, Pranamaya Kosha, Nyanamaya Kosha, etc. It is a supernatural divine body. Swami Nimananda Paramahamsa A lot has already been expressed about Swami Nimananda Paramahamsa in the first chapter in connection with the early childhood of Bolanat. This great Swami's insight was responsible for detecting the later spiritual greatness of Bolanat and leading him up finally to become a Paramahamsa himself. When Bolanat lost all hope of life and had excruciating pain, due to the poison of a mad dog bite, and had come one evening to the river to get drowned, this was the Swami who had saved his life. Again, after two years, Bolanath and Haripada traveled all the way from Burdwan to Dhaka and met him. When they entreated him and showed great keenness to tread the path of yoga, to become yogis, it was he who brought them along to Gyan Ganj. Swami Nimanand is also amongst the foremost disciples of Maharishi Mahatapa and is a realized yogi endowed with supernatural powers. Swami Shyamanand Paramahamsa Swami Shyamanand is another disciple of Mahatapa who excelled in the knowledge of natural sciences under the tutelage of the Maharishi Mahatapa himself. He is the head of the faculty of science in the Yogashram. He imparts training in Solar Science, Astronomy and Astrology, Ethereal Science, Lunar Science, ETC. As mentioned before, Solar Science is the most superior, prime science amongst all these sciences. After attaining knowledge and proficiency in Solar Science, the other sciences can be learned comparatively easily. Swami Vishuddhananda learned solar science uh, thoroughly under the direct tutelage of Swami Siamananda Paramahamsa. Swami Vishuddhananda was the first one to throw some light on Surya Vijnan and bring it to the notice of our world for the first time. Before this, nobody on this earth knew anything about Surya Vijnan. Surya Vijnan has a very close connection with yoga. Only he who is an adept in the science of yoga can attain full and comprehensive knowledge of Surya Vijnan. So you will now be able to get an idea of the depth of the knowledge and high status of Swami Shyamanand Paramahamsa, who is also over 500 years old, meaning over 600 years old. Swami Gyananand Paramahamsa, as aforesaid, Swami Gyananand is one of the foremost disciples of Maharishi Mahatapa. It was through his efforts that almost 700 years earlier, the ancient Indrabavan was resurrected and named Gyan Ganga Yogashram. Swami Gyanand, Gyananand uh, had already become a Paramahamsa before he resuscitated Indrabavan. At that time, he should have been over 100 years old. So his present age will be anywhere over 800 years, meaning 900 years. Paramahamsa Gyananand is the chief administrator in charge of Jnanganj Yoga ashram. He is endowed with supreme supernatural spiritual powers. A brief description of the ashram. This extensive Yogashram, having a perimeter of 16 kilometers, is situated in the western part of the plateau of Tibet, surrounded by hill ranges on all sides. It has a rampart all around it with a deep ditch full of water running all around the rampart on the outside, having arched bridges across it for purposes of communication. Every block of the ashram is suitably furnished with all material materials necessary for instruction in the particular discipline to be taught in that block. The arrangements for instruction in yoga and science are indeed exquisite. The two faculties are independent. The yoga faculty is under the charge of Swami Briguram Paramahamsa and that of science under Swami Shamanand Paramahamsa. The overall in charge of the chief executive is Swami Gyananand, as mentioned before. So who are the inmates of the ashrams? Uh, They are the brahmacharis, boys who are under the vows of celibacy, brahmacharinis, ladies under the vow of celibacy, then students of the faculty of science who also have to be yogis most of the time, the Siddha Paramahamsa category. After completion of the training, the aspirants keep on practicing their various vocations till they reach perfection and attain supernatural powers. They are then called Paramahamsas. There are hundreds of such Paramahamsas in this ashram whose ages vary from 200 to over 1,000 years. Amongst these Siddha Paramahamsas, many of them do not take any food at all. So I would like to end this episode on the International Day of Yoga by sharing with you um, the essence of my uh, conversation with Mohanji. Before I came across this book, uh, after recording the podcast about Avadvuta Nadananda's journey to Gyanganj. Uh, who saw only caves at Gyan Mohanji told me, uh, this may not be the reality of somebody else who visits Gyan um, Just like the true guru is a mirror to the one who approaches him, Gyan can appear different to different people. And it also depends on the main purpose of one's visit to Gyanganj. So that was an interesting intro to this uh, sharing of the visit to Gangganj and years spent there by Vishuddhanand Paramahamsa, who spoke about the training facilities for yoga and natural sciences. Um, <clears throat> I will end this uh, episode uh, by sharing with you the quote from this book in words of Briguram Paramahamsa about the real yogis. Who are the real yogis? So Briguramji says, the real yogis in this world are those who have entered the yoga path, the path of communion with God from within, with perfect ease as the thread passes easily through the open channels in the stem of the lotus. Here he is referring to the vertical breath during Kriya through the stem of the lotus. With the aid of the Guru's limitless power, he can even enter the celestial constellation visible in the sky. So also he is able to delve deep into all objects of the universe, and after piercing the prana of the individual beings by virtue of his union with the soul-self, he sees and finds the whole world charming and sweet. Such one in this world is a yogi. The guru's name alone is the sole refuge of the disciple. In the words of Briguram Paramahamsa, he says and advises, Depend wholly and solely on your guru. This is your foremost duty, the only worthwhile karma, the samum bonum, Of your existence. The restlessness of the mind to achieve the goal is sadhana, spiritual practice. The attraction and pull of the guru is natural yoga, the nectar like taste of which is relished only by the unattached householders or the paramahamsa skeptics who have achieved the state of total renunciation. On the path of Kriya Yoga, many of the great yogis were sent back to live a life of a householder. Here it is explained why being a householder or being an ascetic, one can equally attain the highest state of consciousness through Kriya. These unattached Paramahamsas are the ones who do not allow the sanctity of their minds to be disturbed by the terrible turmoil of the world all around them. And I engaged in the pursuit of the natural straight path to attain the supreme eternal consciousness with an undeterred, fearless mind. Thank you for being with me throughout this episode 9 on the International Day of Yoga. We have learned that the special actual physical lingam from Gyan Ganj can be found in Bondul in West Bengal. I hope to be able to travel there once the corona situation allows that and uh, if so we'll share more about that experience. I would like to end with the message of love and selflessness we see that the greatest ones who have achieved the highest states of consciousness are there to continuously take responsibility and serve in their love in their selflessness. Now, isn't that inspiring? And contrary to some idealistic views of heaven as a place where one is continuously resting under the shade... (laughs) So there is no resting under the shade here. It is discipline and love. Because love blossoms in selflessness and deep inner drive to dedicate one's time and energy for the benefit of others and share the nectar for nothing in return. For that is the nature of divine love. Love that does not punish and judge, but holds the safe space for all to be felt and heard as per their inner experience, love as the great respecter of experience, love as the glory of oneness in which diversity is honored as sacred. Thank you for being with me in the episode nine and we meet again soon. Lots of love.